0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to this episode of Creator Support. On today's episode, we talk about the new Dude Perfect app, give our honest review, and explore what it means for the future of creators.
1: We also reflect on our experience interviewing the CEO of YouTube, and we address some criticism that we got from our audience. All right, if you make it
0: to the deep end, let us know. All right, our first question comes from the subreddit from Ya Miati.
1: Eh, There we go again. That's why we stopped reading the names. That's why we stopped reading the username. Okay,
0: the question is, Dude Perfect app. Would love to hear CNS's thoughts on the new Dude Perfect app. Has anyone looked into it? So when we first started this career on YouTube, there was two terms that were brought up all the time. Bundling and unbundling. Mm. Now, I'm going to explain what that means. So when YouTube first came about, when people started moving content to YouTube, basically the conversation was around the unbundling of content meaning that when we were growing up, you had to buy a cable package to watch anything, right? So if you wanted ESPN, you bought the sports package. You had to buy all these other sports channels, the tennis channel, all these channels, so that you could watch the sport you wanted to watch. That was called the bundling of content, typically done by cable providers. As we moved into streaming, everything started to get unbundled, right? So now on YouTube specifically, you can watch a specific piece of content that you Mm want to watch. You don't have to buy a big package to watch what you wanted to watch.
1: Also, we have Disney Plus, we have Paramount Plus. Like, every uh, studio and platform wanted to have their own home with their own content that they could charge for. Right. So over the past decade, content got
0: unbundled. Progressively, like, o- over time, just got more and more unbundled. And Now we're starting to see that unbundling take shape in a way that creators like the Sidemen and like Dude Perfect are even launching their own content environments. Dude Perfect just launched their own app. It's available on mobile as
1: well as on TV. And- Are you telling me that creators are unbundling themselves? No, I'm not. I mean, I guess maybe, but- Sounds like you are. I
0: think what they're doing is continuing to push the agenda of the, you know, unbundling of entertainment uh, to a point where potentially we are going to soon at some point reach- Peak unbundlement, Unbundle. okay. Got it. <laughs> and have to rebundle things <laughs> to be able to access content. Because essentially now you're paying for so many different subscriptions, um, and finding content in so many different places that it might
1: just get too much. Okay, so so what you're saying is, fast forward to the future, right? Right now, SideMen have not unbundled themselves, but they put themselves in their own environment. Mm-hmm. Dude Perfect has put themselves in their own environment with this app. Mm-hmm. What if other sports creators start to do that? Mm -hmm. You have all of these standalone apps, creators who've been unbundled, take those creators, bundle them back together. That's right.
0: And there's like a sports. I'll buy the
1: creator sports package. I'll take a little bit of Dude Perfect. I'll take some Jesser. I don't think it'll be the creator
0: sports package. I think that'll just be a sports app. Like the Dude Perfect app, Will
1: be, potentially, the the bundle.
0: sports app. So let's take a step back and explain it. You know, like, what is the Dude Perfect app?
1: Actually, before we get there, let's talk about what we did this weekend. We held a brunch with a ton of creators and Discord. Mm -hmm. In West Hollywood, in one of the nicest homes I've ever seen. Yeah, it was really great. Like a beautiful location. It was awesome. So
0: um, this was in celebration of Discord officially announcing server shops that are available now. If you have your own Discord community, you can now sell products, digital downloads.
1: Ever heard of my font? Exactly.
0: We sell Collins handwriting in our server shop. Actually, the second highest selling product in all server shops in the beta. How about that?
1: Pretty good. Also, I think the the next highest requested font is yours. Right. Also pretty exciting if you look at the charts. That's true. But I don't even know what
0: my handwriting is. Every time I take pen to paper, it looks totally different.
1: Not only does Discord have server shops, they
0: also have server subscriptions, which offer creators and community builders an opportunity to create private channels. You can offer private Q&A sessions. It's just a really great opportunity for creators to offer more to their audiences and create monthly recurring revenue for themselves. Server shops are now available to everyone. So if you run a Discord community, click the link
1: in our description, learn
0: more about how you can launch your own server shop.
1: And thanks to all the creators who came out to our Discord brunch. And shout out to everyone in the Discord. Mm -hmm. As of today, the day that we're recording, we have 9,111 members in the Discord. We're almost at 10K. Almost at 10,000. That's pretty amazing. You know, that though is another example of
0: the like creators, you know, building their own environments for their communities. And just to come back to the Dude Perfect example, I actually think this is a really significant moment for the creator economy with the Dude Perfect app. So the Dude Perfect app is available on mobile as well as on TV. Uh Uh-oh. That's a big deal. Now, when I first saw that this was launched, my immediate thought was, wow, that's really smart because Dude Perfect speaks to a young audience. And as more and more content gets onto YouTube, as it gets harder for parents to trust their kids navigating YouTube, Mm -hmm. right? Like YouTube can recommend all kinds of things. Things can be made for kids that maybe aren't fully reviewed, that you know, potentially have some subject matter that isn't great for kids. But if a parent's like, you know what? I trust the Dude Perfect brand. I like the Dude Perfect brand. You are allowed to watch the Dude Perfect app, not the YouTube app. Mm -hmm. That is a very significant thing that Dude Perfect just did to say, hey, this is a trusted app for you to watch good for you sports content.
1: And it makes so much sense because it's a big part of their brand. When we were hanging out with them at the beginning of the year, they said that their mission statement was to be the most trusted brand in entertainment. Right. This is exactly in line with that. Create an even more trusted location. Right. Where you as the creator control absolutely everything, take full responsibility for all of the content in there, and create the safe environment that fits with your brand.
0: And now, when you think about the opportunity— So right now, I I have the Dude Perfect app up. There's a homepage where they have, um, you know— content in here. There's also exclusive content. There's Dude Perfect app exclusives, which is like bloopers, extras. One of the most interesting things is that it's kind of like YouTube where there's a Shorts feed Mm -hmm. and you can actually swipe through a Shorts feed of Dude Perfect Shorts. You can also then go into playlists where you have their most viewed videos. There are different formats. Um, We're talking longs. We're talking long form videos there's anything from four minute videos all the way to 40 minute videos that you can watch. Um, they're segmented by type. Um, it's it's a very interesting environment where my anticipation is that there will be advertising that supports this app. yeah because right now it is free. It's free. And when you join, you have to identify if you're youth or an adult, right? So if you're if you're young, if you're let's say 12, 13 years old, Likely there won't be advertising where it'll be a different environment. Uh, if you're an adult, you can be advertised too. Um, now, I think what we'll see is unique advertising that they can sell themselves, right? So let's say Coca-Cola wants to do a deal with Dude Perfect. You know, Dude Perfect is gonna have YouTube programmatic advertising that's you know run through Google and YouTube, right? But if they wanna sell a specific campaign, okay, Coca-Cola is doing a specific campaign with Dude Perfect, they can take over the app that's really valuable. Now, additionally, I think there's going to be a premium tier where you pay a monthly fee, but my anticipation is that's going to be for live sports. I think the opportunity here is that the NBA, the NFL, all who are trying to attract a younger audience, as Dude Perfect has a young sports enthusiast audience in a dedicated environment, there would be an opportunity to stream live games into there either while Dude Perfect is watching or just stream them into there. you know, it di- could be different commentary, could mm-hmm. be Dude Perfect commentary. It could be like more fun commercials in the middle of them that are more relevant to kids. Um, there's a lot that can be done here just by aggregating and segmenting their audience to here's the people who are watching the Dude Perfect
1: app. Yeah. Right now, the value prop when you watch the opening video is that you can get, yeah, bloopers behind the scenes, but they also say that you can get the videos early, Yes, that's true. In the true. app. That's right. a huge part of it. That is it's a like, part if you're a big yeah. Dude Perfect fan, this is a free place mm-hmm. to get early access because normally that's reserved for like a Patreon or a membership, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Normally people pay for that. Yeah. That's a huge value prop that they just included. And like you were saying with live sports, there's so many other places this app can go. But the most important thing I think is how they launched it. The fact that it's free, it's right. safe for parents and yeah. for for kids and viewers, it's early. Mm-hmm. Like that's a no brainer.
0: So are there any downsides to launching this app for a creator like Dude Perfect who has the scale that they have where it's amazing to me how successful they've been for as long as they've been on the platform. They do not, there's no like decline in the Dude Perfect brand. It's only gone up over the past decade where it's just like every year it feels like that brand continues to increase in value, increase in visibility and increase in strength. What are the downsides of creating your own app
1: environment? Don't think a downside is going to be in deep a decrease in viewership on YouTube right right? I think no matter what they're probably still gonna find a lot of scale algorithmically on youtube
0: yeah i mean what's the average viewership of a dude perfect video right now
1: on YouTube? I would guess right now somewhere between ten and it, it's about a million
0: I, I I'm looking at it it's between six and eight million
1: okay okay, so six and eight million, so let's just
0: say um a million people go over to the app. That'd be a huge win. (laughs) That'd be insane. A huge win, right? A million people not watching on YouTube. It is a lot of people, but I think the difference between, you know, between six and eight million and five and seven million is not that vast on YouTube. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if if they actually did lose a million people watching regularly on YouTube, which is unlikely, that wouldn't have that big of an impact, but it would be a huge impact to have an app that has a million monthly active users.
1: Yeah, it may be more impactful and more beneficial because you can message to the people who are the most engaged. Right. It's a more specific grouping of their audience that yeah. they'll know what types of things they would wanna buy, what they'd be interested in, uh, and what could be advertised in that environment as opposed to like the more general mm-hmm. YouTube environment.
0: The big question, and you mentioned this before, the big question for me is, do they start platforming new talent inside of this app? Are we going to start to see the next generation of you know young sports creators get shows on the Dude Perfect app?
1: Talking a little bit of bundling here. Yeah, I mean, kind
0: of. we're talking about like Nebula, who we talked about before, right? Yep. They're they're operating programming in that app. They're picking up shows to play mm-hmm. in their app. Dude Perfect can easily turn to other creators and quote unquote buy shows, buy programming. They can even buy early releases. Right, they can say, "Hey, you know what? Give us your episode a week early before you put it on YouTube."
1: I don't know if they would go that route. I think they would create original programming with new talent, sure. But I don't know if they would take other creators and bring them in, unless they know for sure yeah, that those fair. creators' their goal is also to create the most trusted mm-hmm, brand mm-hmm. in entertainment. The question, like to be to maintain that yeah, safe that's environment. Fair. The question is though: Can you get athletes? Can you get athletes to
0: shoot? Like, can you make a show that includes pro athletes that Dude Perfect doesn't need to be in, but follows some brand ethos of Dude Perfect? Can you get, you know, the um, Kansas City Chiefs to do a trick shot video, right? And why that's, the Chiefs? Because they're the best. Thomas Kelsey, league. Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's I mean, why. Yeah. yeah, then you're going to get a lot more app users. Yeah, okay. but yeah, you you get them to do a format, right? I'm just thinking about this in the context of they kind of just launched their own TV network. Mm-hmm. So yes, they've become unbundled, but. Do, does this become a bundled sports app?
1: Where you is it, pull is everyone listening stuff? and watching following the Bundle and Unbundle? Do you know where we're at right now? Definitely. We're somewhere between Bundle and Unbundle. Yeah,
0: they're definitely following. Okay. <laughs> so there, there was a more mainstream entertainment comp that happened this week as well that I think people should look into, which is uh, Max, previously HBO Max, just added Bleacher Report as a brand into the app that at $9.99, you can pay for a live sports package within Max. That, I think, is an important thing to start watching of saying, okay, it is happening. We are starting to bundle these things back up. Um, And, uh, you know, the bundling is important, but the live sports component is additionally important. That I think live sports will become one of the most valuable uh, programming pieces in the coming years, especially with the rise of AI, with the rise of, like, homogenous content, like, That is going to be something that I think the leagues are going to go, the rights can go into
1: all these different places. Yeah, so let me connect that for everyone. The AI and the homogenous content, the reason that sports will become even more valuable is because it will become one of the very few absolutely verifiably human real things that's unscripted that you're watching in a sea of things that are made with AI that are somewhat artificial for a number of reasons. Live sports is like the Mm -hmm. one thing that will remain human, unscripted, verifiably. (laughs) This is not AI, this is human. (laughs) There may be like augmented reality experiences that go along with watching sports, but whatever happens there, that's what happens.
0: So, so far in using the Dude Perfect app for a total of one day, uh, I am very impressed with it. And I think it represents a bigger shift in the creator economy right now of moving your audience into a specific environment. And these businesses like the Sidemen and Dude Perfect will likely become the TV networks of the future. Like they have the opportunity in 10 years to be the HBO, to be the ESPN, right? Dude Perfect will become the ESPN of the future. And that will start by saying, come off platform and join this dedicated environment that I have now. Now that I have my own network, I can add programming to this network.
1: I actually think it's the beginning of them creating their own little studios and offerings that will eventually end up getting bundled into packages, like, with ESPN Plus and yeah, with other true, streamers. True, There's already, especially in sports, there's a meshing of, like, Pat McAfee, right, is yeah. all over ESPN now. Right. Like, I think, if anything, uh, in sports, it seems to be happening first where, like, creators are building really powerful audiences and then, like, getting, finding ways to collaborate with traditional networks.
0: hmm mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I do think it's like, if you have not subscribed to some of these or just like download the Dude Perfect app and just play around with it, because it's it's interesting to start to see where all this is going. In our conversation with Jordan Schwarzenberger from The Sidemen, you know, he said Side Plus was the biggest revenue driver for the company. That's really significant to start to look at right now. All of this to say, you know, we did release our interview with the uh, CEO of YouTube this week. And... It's interesting that we asked him about this concept of like, why not have some of these alternative monetization options within YouTube? Where like, why is it, they do have these options, right? But it is very expensive for us to launch membership on YouTube. Um, But he was talking about how he likes that the home of these creators is YouTube. They will always have to use YouTube to drive discovery for these platforms.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it just shows that advertising on long-form content is clearly, without a doubt, like the bread and butter of YouTube. Yeah. And any really strong push in a direction towards, like, channel memberships or even really deep into, like, live streaming mm. is potentially That's true. hurtful to the bread and butter of the business. Yeah. So, like, it's the offerings there. You can do it. Yeah. But it's clear that it doesn't fully fit That's into true. the business model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. it was too successful, it could hurt the business model.
0: Lessons here. Creators, own own your content so that it can be placed in other places, right? <laughs> like when mm-hmm. you do bring it into an app, make sure you own it and you you have all the rights to it and everything. Um, and also like bring your audience into your own environment. I know I just said that, but like that, that I do think is getting increasingly important. Like our newsletter, our Discord community, like bring your audience into other environments.
1: All right. Before we move on to the next question. Yeah. I do just want to take a pause and acknowledge the interview with the CEO. I know yes. we just talked about it, but like reading the comments, it was crazy to see. I read a comment from Tucker Pierce, who oh, has been, He's been watching a... our videos for years, for maybe over 10 years. Yeah. And to see a comment from him on that video this many years later, and to think that people have watched so much of this evolution is crazy to me. And that interview could feel like a part of just a bigger trip because it was, we did a lot of other things on that trip. It's easy to overlook it, but it's a huge milestone, I think, in our career and what we've course. been doing. It's the first time we've done anything like that. Of course.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. I I said this over the weekend I was I was um speaking, and I, I I said this that it felt like for a very long time we loved the platform and it didn't love us back. And it's a very surreal experience to feel loved back. And <laughs> You know this is an example of that of getting the opportunity to to sit down with Neil mm-hmm. to, to be the guys that are you know trusted enough to to have that opportunity. I think is like it it is a testament to like us working really hard at this um, but also just like the moment in time it is like I'm so grateful for that opportunity. That was
1: crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: like that was a really cool opportunity. I was way more nervous than I anticipated. yeah, and we only <laughs> had about an hour. yeah, which was scary uh and intense.
1: yeah, this is different because when you do this interview. You know that not only, you know, our audience, all of you will be listening and watching, it will be new creators who are like, oh, I don't really know Colin and Smear, maybe, but I'm gonna, of course, I'm gonna watch this one. And then you have people just in the tech Mm -hmm. world, and then maybe some people even like in the finance world. Like, this is. Yeah. And, And there's
0: no way to do it in a way where everyone thinks you did a great job, right? Like, totally. That's just impossible. I knew that going into it. It's like you're gonna sit down and people are gonna be pissed about what you didn't ask. People are gonna be excited about what, how you did drive the conversation. And what was really nice was as we got into it, like Neil was very easy to talk to. Um, you know, there's obviously stuff he can't say and can't talk about. But I thought as we got into like giving feedback to him and, and actually talking about products, um, the conversation was really fun. I think also for us as creators, we got to build a deeper relationship with him and have different context on the CEO of YouTube. It was just like, I don't know, man. It was a surreal experience. Surreal yeah. experience to think about you know, when we started to be like, oh, one day we'll sit down with the CEO of this platform. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. In the last couple of years, I thought it would happen, actually. I just thought it would be Susan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Neil came out of nowhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it became an
0: aspiration for me when uh, Casey did his interview with Robert Kinsel, who at the time was the mm-hmm. chief business
1: officer of YouTube, who we also interviewed on on this podcast. Um I remember Emma visited the YouTube offices and had Susan on the channel. And then Susan showed up on a couple of other.
0: Yeah. I want to acknowledge Ludwig's interview with Susan, Mm -hmm. because I think Ludwig paved the path for like that CEO interview and tonally being the most himself in that interview of being like, I'm not going to change my tone. (laughs) I'm going to be Ludwig. And I think he did an excellent job with that and got to like really good questions.
1: Yeah. Um, which the tone was, was a concern of ours. Yeah. It was. Well, it, we wanted yeah. to make sure that it was clear that we are uh, creators mm-hmm. and this guy is the head of the platform. Not, we're not like journalists right. in the traditional sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And
0: we wanted to represent creators at large, which is hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like wanting to represent the interests of, of creators at large and our own interests. So, let us know how we did. It was fun? Interesting? Hope to do it again. And also, we got AB testing going. We talked to we talked to Neil about that. Yeah. But uh we ran our first to be specific, ABC test because you can upload 3 thumbnails.
1: Um calling it an ABC test to me is like sounds like kindergarten Twitter X. I'm just like uh, well, it's an AB test. You you oh no, I tweeted that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I tweeted ABC testing. <laughs> yeah, hey man, look, I'm not guilty. <laughs> Sorry, I X'd it. Um, I used ABC in Slack, but I didn't like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been pushing that. I've been like the annoying guy correcting everyone. Um yeah, putting like an asterisk. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hey, It's so, ABC. So we ran our first ABC test, um, and it was really interesting to see, because this morning I started logging into YouTube on different accounts and seeing different versions of the thumbnail. And then at one point saw a very consistent version across all three accounts, and that was the one that, that won, quote unquote. I guess it's the winner. Yeah. Um, the thing I really like about this is that it is based on watch time. I think that's like incredibly important. The variance from the lowest performing to the highest performance is significant. So we had one thumbnail that I, that was my favorite thumbnail. I thought it represented our brand the best. That was the worst performing. It had 30% watch time. That was
1: my favorite thumbnail too. Yeah,
0: yeah I just thought it was, it represented our brand the best. One that I knew would probably drive clicks, but it didn't feel as connected to our brand. Uh, that was the best performing at 36.7% watch time. So really interesting to see. I think uh, the future of this tool, like how we'll use it, I could see us continuing to use this. I like this. Obviously, you should. we should be 100% happy with all three um, because you don't know. Um, I wonder how this is going to change. Does it keep
1: running? I'm not sure. I think we can issue a new test if we want. Yeah.
0: I'd be interested to see after day one, how does it change in week one and, you know, week 1.5.
1: Yeah. And what we're going to start doing is issuing on even other videos, past videos in our Mm -hmm. library and creating new thumbnails and seeing if we're able to increase watch time.
0: So I think the most interesting thing, and we talked about this with Neil, is when this becomes AI generated. when. These are automated where it's like, here's kind of the text. Here's some of the assets. Here's kind of our brand book. Like
1: you can imagine a canvas style interface where it's like, hey, here's the font I use. This is the yellow background we want.
0: Right. We can have YouTube buy my font. We don't want two lines of
1: text. We want one, whatever. Yes. Generate something. Here's the
0: images. Yeah. Generate based on the users. So then it goes even more hyper-targeted.
1: Which is very Netflix. It's very Netflix. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is probably the future. Mm Mm-hmm. Or thumbnails get removed all altogether. Who knows? I hope they don't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think what makes YouTube hard is what that's what makes it great.
0: Yeah. This question comes from Boya, a rare sighting in the Discord, a LinkedIn creator. You know how on our um, Discord you can yeah. put wow. you can
1: put what type of creator you are? Does that mean we get more months of of spring or something? Or <laughs> it's like Groundhog's Day. Like we saw a LinkedIn creator. Desi, feel free to play uh, cricket sound effect. All
0: right, this question comes from Boya in the Discord. He says, what's your biggest bottleneck in terms of business organization? Curious to know what you guys struggle with the most.
1: Sorry, read that again. I was just replaying (laughs) my joke back in my head. He's asking
0: what the biggest bottleneck is in our business. And I think that's consistent with all creator businesses. It's the creators um, and it's their time. Uh, And I think that multiplies when you have two people. Yeah. The biggest bottleneck is time. And focus and those are connected so uh, when you when you have two people uh you have to organize two people's times uh and you both have to be like we both have to be very aligned on what what's the most important thing to get done today Mm -hmm. as a unit and individually yeah and then we are the bottlenecks to everything else like if we decide which you know tomorrow and the next day are going to be 100 based on um, our course which we'll talk about in a second um that now pushes out Anything else that needs to get done in those two days can't happen. So, you know, other members of our team have asked for meetings to make some decisions on other things, and it's like, no, that's not possible because we need to focus on these things. So that creates the bottlenecks, right? Anytime we've been with any other creator, it's the same bottleneck. Hey, can you review this edit? No, I need to focus on this right now. So now that person's waiting, (laughs) you know, the editor's waiting. It's a
1: trade off because when it was just you and I working together and there were no employees, there was no real bottleneck to coming up with the idea and shooting, there was a huge bottleneck to post-production. Mm-hmm. It was really, it would take forever. It was That's really true. inconsistent. That's eventually where teams started to come in. And then as you add more team and you diversify revenue and what you do, now you become the bottleneck for the idea and for the production. And if for the feedback. And for the feedback. If you're not available for that team member. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it all comes down to
0: decision-making, right? Like, the creator has to make the decision, the final decision, unless you've given full autonomy to give final decisions to other people. And no matter what, I think like that—that that is the bottleneck. It's the decision making and that is connected to time and focus. Where do you need to focus on a day-to-day basis? Also depends
1: on how many weddings you have to attend.
0: Well, I think it gets... The bottleneck as you get into your 30s also (laughs) becomes like family, which is time. Yeah. Yeah, it's time. (laughs) But it's like weddings and... uh, Like next year... And deciding
1: what you want to eat for dinner. Well... Really is like... That can be a a bottleneck that lasts forever. What were you going to say next year?
0: Yeah, next year we're already working with this bottleneck and this challenge of time because of my brother's getting married, you're getting married, Mm -hmm. you have other friends getting married. Like basically there we like there's a question of like should we just shut this all down because yeah. we basically have no time or should just
1: we just <laughs> be here next year to support other people's weddings and my wedding yeah, yeah. i was, I was
0: reading uh I was, or it was david Perell, the the writer he was talking about how his default is no to everything even close friends weddings wow uh, yeah and i i gotta find the clip because i don't want to misquote him but it was there, there, I watched it and I was like, that is true. That is how you build your thing. That's the only way you actually build a compelling business. But then you're also the guy who doesn't go to weddings, you know? And that's yeah. like, I don't know, it's yeah, hard to grow. Like every, all of our peers are like in their 20s and they don't have to deal with going to
1: weddings. That's true.
0: <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Stay like, tuned to Colin and Smear next year as we- have to go to a lot of weddings. We should
0: talk to like Rober and Retinlink. True. You know, those are the yeah, people to yeah. talk to of like our contemporaries <laughs> of like, hey, how are you guys navigating going to weddings uh, <laughs> and building this business? Um, okay, let's talk about uh, some criticism we received last week. So it's really interesting. We you know, are building a course. We've talked about building a course business. We've talked about education being the like merch that we want to launch or or, like essentially like the extension of our business. What makes sense for us is to start launching education. Um, We're passionate about curriculum. We're passionate about changing how education is done. We're passionate about this community and and releasing more education into this community. So we've spent now, it was pretty amazing, one year writing curriculum Mm -hmm. because we want to make it as valuable as it can be, spend a year writing curriculum on how we've built our brand deal business. How do we work in the advertising business and the creator community? How do you attract a brand partner? How do you build yourself into a commercially viable YouTube channel that can actually get brand partnerships? How do you negotiate those? What does the negotiation process even look like? Um, All of that, we've spent a year, uh, we've hired people to help us with this. We've like put a lot of time, energy and effort into this, and as we're getting closer to shooting it, we wanted to make sure we're aligned with the audience's expectations. So we, we created a very short kind of survey that nets you out into um, joining our wait list for the course. So we could learn more about what the audience wants. Posted it on LinkedIn, you know, got a ton of people to do it. People were excited, comments were like, this is awesome. Posted it on Instagram, Got people, people started reposting it, being like, Colin and Samir are making a course, this is awesome. And at the end of the day, one of the days last week, I was like, oh, you know what? I've never, put po- I haven't posted this anywhere on our main channel. We're not going to make a video about it, but let me post it on the community tab. I was like, hey, everyone, we're building a course on creator business. You know, I thought, that was like a very innocent post. And immediately I started reading
1: the comments and it was like, I like, I can't believe you guys are
0: doing this. I have some of the comments yeah, one com- here.
1: Com- comment was like, wow, I like you guys. And I hope this isn't the end of your career. Yeah. Like like really, <laughs> really intense just
0: push back on the concept of a course uh here's a couple of the comments just that we pulled if people still buy youtube courses in 2023 there's something wrong with all of you um while we know courses work please keep the focus on your content the majority of us are still here to watch you guys and have you guys bring interesting conversations and cover the creator economy that has a ton of likes um no i've never bought a course and didn't ultimately make uh That didn't ultimately make me feel scammed and stop following the creator entirely. They all ultimately just structure what they already have on their main channel for free and just make it make sense chronologically. If we can't do that, uh, if we can already do that with what's out there, a course will not help us. That has the most likes. Um, On the flip side, we have stuff that, you know, I'm so sorry you guys are getting such negative feedback on this. Just keep in mind, most of the people commenting are not your target demographic for this course. You've offered so much for free already and you aren't doing... And you aren't wrong for coming out with a paid product with the valuable knowledge you've both gained over the years speaking to some of the most influential creators in the space, I have no doubt you'll come up with an incredibly valuable course. You've got this. I actually haven't read that one. Thank you. That was really nice, Lola. Um, I think I was too nonchalant in the way I positioned it to our biggest audience. Um, I don't know how in retrospect uh, to position it, but it was really important learning to recognize that A, what we're building is for a very hyper-specific audience within our audience. Mm -hmm. Ali Abdal gave us the feedback when we interviewed him. He said, I don't talk about my courses on my main channel. Um, And you know, B, courses do have a bad brand in our space.
1: Yeah, I was saying to you, I think in general, education is something that has been reserved for institutions and uh, has not been as trusted with individuals because yeah, you can't quality control Mm -hmm. everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would hope we've built a a trusted enough brand that, you know, and we're taking that really seriously. It's why we didn't just put one out immediately, right? Like We've spent a very long time crafting this because of that, because we want to make sure it's valuable. Um, It is not something that we will offer for free because I don't think it really applies to everyone. I think you have to want to invest in this to learn how to grow your brand deal business. To me, that is an investment.
1: And, and even is, saying your brand deal business implies that the majority of the people who will buy have a brand deal business. Yes, it may not be where they want it to be. Yeah, it may be at the very early stages. Mm-hmm. But there is potentially for a lot of the people buying some money coming in I, from creating.
0: A lot of a lot of the um, commentary, uh, the negative feedback, was around, you know, why would you guys charge new creators? And I want to be hundred percent clear that is not our intention at all. I actually, if you are a new creator you're just starting out creating, this is not for you. This is not a product for you. This is for the professional creator who is making an income already, who has done some deals and is trying to figure out how to stabilize that and grow their business. We map out, and this is something that we should put out there, we map out the different phases of a creator career and show you which phase this is for. And that phase is for someone who is already doing brand partnerships but trying to figure out how to grow that and mm-hmm. move their career to the next phase of being able to have enough revenue to sustain themselves, to hire a team, to grow. And it, and it mirrors what we did. And we're teaching you from our own experience of doing that.
1: Yeah. And there were also one of the comments you read and there were others too about how they felt like this, they implied this is like the end of free content. Mm-hmm. Like keep the keep what you've been doing, the conversations free. Uh, and that, that is the intention and the plan and it will not yeah, yeah. change. Yeah. There's,
0: there's no plan on, there's actually only a plan on, on, you know, potentially doing more free content, not less. So yeah, yeah I thought it was interesting. You know, there's, there's no uh, push to force anyone from our audience to take the course. Uh, this experience did change the way I think about marketing the course. Mm-hmm. You know, we do already have over 2000 people on the waiting list for the course. If, if you are interested in this, again, I want to caveat that if, if what we just said sounds interesting to you, there is a link that you can click to, you know, input more about yourself and a- join the wait list. That is already more people than we anticipate uh, having space for in the first cohort. We're going to do this as a cohort and we do not plan to, uh, have more than than 250,000 or sorry 250,000 250, 000, 250 <laughs> slots in that first cohort.
1: Yeah, We don't plan to have look. more than <laughs> first listen, class. It's just, an intimate group <laughs> of around 250,000 people. people. Yeah, that's <laughs> all. Look like yeah, nope. you'll you'll know your classmates. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but we don't we don't plan on on having it go that wide um we want to start small. So like I, it it was very interesting learning and I was uh I was like humbled by the experience, but also felt like it was really important lessons. Um, and and even more important to think about how you segment your audience as a creator to go, okay, where are the people who are interested in that? Cause I I I want to provide value to those people, but recognizing that like if we make a main channel video that has a hundred or two hundred thousand people watch it, the course is only applicable to like 0.2% of them. Yeah, yeah. So of course, there's gonna be people in there that are. Not happy with us feeling like we are selling them a very high-priced product that, you know, is in the thousands of dollars. So totally understood, you know? Important lesson to learn. Look, we get it. Heard. Yeah, heard. And for those people who are on the wait list and are interested, that is exciting for me that we have a segmented group that is interested, you know? And and I want to continue growing that group to learn more about them.
1: The internet's just funny, man. Sometimes you drop something on a community tab or a tweet and instantly (laughs) you're like- what did I do? Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah totally. <laughs> it's funny, like you just don't. Th- like it was literally the just like a. Oh yeah, you're right. I should post that yeah. survey there. All right, posted, and then I went home, and then I was just like,
1: uh. I'm not kidding. Every time I tweet, I'm kind of like eyes closed. Oh, like, I don't. I don't feel that. No, way. I feel I, it. I'm like, uh oh, here we go.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. Question for us. Honest question. Uh, this is on the subreddit. Does it seem like Colin and Smear have been beefing behind the scenes lately? That's it. Just seems like past few months, there's interactions they've had in creator sport that seems
1: like they're BTS beefing. This one's uh, interesting because I feel like, I said this the other day, it's like the only potential drama that you can really call out when there's two creators is like, these guys are they're at each other. Yeah. But I think there's a reality of the fact that we film this show uh, pretty much once a week now. Yeah. And there are just times when we're lower energy, higher energy. I think also higher stress yeah, you know,
0: hire, there, there there have been, as the company has grown, as the business has grown, it's not as easy to uh, find moments of just pure flow, you know, of just mm-hmm. like I, we are sitting here and we're in flow, which which is something that we need to address as a as a you know company. Like y- you it, the challenge is we're the founders and the the operators of the company. So we are under stress and pressure to grow just the, the and to, to run the day- to-day operations of the business. To sit down in chairs and and have that levity, I'll admit this year has been harder. For mm-hmm. interviews, not as hard because we kind of like base a whole day around uh, like a, a, when a creator is coming in, and that like gives us the space and presence to do it. But this show, oftentimes, is a part of a day that has multiple meetings, has different contexts that we're coming into. So it's, it is it it's probably it's important feedback to take. But it's but it's yeah, there's so know. much
1: more to get done this year, and a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Context switching. Yes. Which was something that when we got really busy and a bit overloaded and burnt out at times in 2022 was brought up to us of like, mm-hmm. if you guys are going to record, you need to give time and space <laughs> to context switch. Yeah. Like you can't just be deep in an edit and then all of a sudden sit down in a chair mm-hmm. or on a business call or stressed talking about some decision. Yeah. And then be like, sit down in the chairs and expect to have a good recording.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm context switching.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a challenge for creators. And I think what makes the creator operator different from another business operator is that you have to show up on camera and your energy translates on camera. Um, yeah, I also think this year, you know, one of my intentions this year was to continue going to improv classes and, Mm. and working on the craft. And I didn't do that. And I just did sign up for improv which I'm really excited about. Um, Just back on the courts thing, like just that as an example for me, like I can learn improv for free. There's a lot of free offerings. But for me, what I like is when I pay for it, I feel like an accountability to Mm -hmm. doing it. And I do think there's a ton of value to that, offering people an opportunity to become accountable, to join a community of people doing the same thing. So just all that to say, like me signing up for improv and just paying for it and being like, now I'm committed to this thing. Yeah. It feels like there is so much value to that.
1: I was watching uh, an interview with Sean Evans from Hot Ones. Yeah. Uh, that was released like last week. And he was asked like a pretty fluffy question, just of like, why do you do this? Or like, what's the meaning of the show? And he was just like, I just want people to like, when they're sitting at home by themselves, like be able to like smile, get a laugh, and learn something. Yeah. About these people. And I was like, oh, that's actually like, as general as that sounds, I was like, that's actually what I also Mm -hmm. want. Yeah. And actually, like, I want people to learn something, but I think what I enjoy the most is knowing that people like smiled or laughed. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in the early stages of our channel, we didn't have as much to teach. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was more like maybe smiling or laughing was like some of the Mm -hmm. impact. And I think for me, that's what I enjoy the most from the creators that I watch. It's like sitting at home and like having Cody Co make me laugh. Right. Um, and you just start to feel less alone. And hearing Sean Evans say that, I think literally yesterday, I was like, oh, I think I'm going to approach this recording today mm. a little bit different because I think one of the most important things that I haven't forgotten, but want to emphasize is like making everyone who's listening and watching feel like uh, they can like smile or laugh. And then it's not just right. like serious curriculum all the time. Yeah. You know? That's why
0: you tried the groundhog. That's why I'm trying. With, yeah. yeah I'm just shooting joke. out
1: some jokes here and there today.
0: <laughs> Thanks to Sean Evans. All right, this question comes from Eleanor Conway. I've grown my Insta by 120,000 in less than a year doing blunt, funny street interviews with strangers. I'm a UK-based comic uh, in London. I wanna grow this idea into a monetizable format and TikTok and Instagram is just not doing it. I wanna start booking guests and broadening the chats a bit. I don't know whether to do it in a YouTube interview series that's five to 10 minutes long or to just jump into a video slash audio podcast. I feel it's easier to build podcast revenue, but there's loads of podcasts out there at the moment. Interesting. So this is going to be a very consistent problem that we face where people have grown audiences on TikTok and Instagram, and now they're like, but how do I make money? Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah. that is going to become a consistent problem. JackCoin and TrackStar If you guys haven't watched that show, just type in trackstar to TikTok or Instagram. Um, That is a great example of a monetizable short form uh, format. If you're building a short form format, I think you do have to think from the beginning, what would be the potential advertiser in this? Is there an industry- Is there an industry- To support
1: this piece of content?
0: Because trackstar is in the music industry. Now, what's happening in the music industry is we need new DJs. DJs introduce us to music when we were kids. Listen to the radio, you heard a new song because the DJ played it. So, who are the new DJs? It's Tube Girl, right? Who, if you haven't watched on TikTok, you should check out. She dances in the London Tube um, very unapologetically and in this cool way where like the wind goes in her hair. It's like just very fun to watch, but she is introducing us to new songs. Um, Jack Coyne, same thing, introduces us to new songs as he's doing his trivia show. Also, can introduce you to an artist's new song. He had Ed Sheeran on, he had Olivia Rodrigan. The question is, if you're just doing generally funny things, you're too broad and you can't monetize that format. Can yeah. you niche down and just say, if it's working
1: on short form, I do funny interviews with who? Yeah. Right. Ideally, you're representative of some sort of community or industry. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember you gave a piece of advice uh, to a friend of ours who was looking to like break out on TikTok. You were like, just make one every day, make something every day. Finally, he made something about rock, rock climbing. climbing. He was yeah. like a passionate rock off. climber yeah. and a member of that community. And that's what translated. Mm-hmm. And then he was able to like double down from there yeah. and make more short form videos about the rock climbing community. Right. And that is actually kind of what you need to do is like, instead of thinking like broad general audience, yeah. start by thinking a little bit more niche because mm-hmm. even like rock climbing or when we were doing lacrosse, you think maybe it's a smaller community. Maybe there's not that much opportunity there, but there actually could be. Can like, you, can you? there do, are like, brands and there are companies to support yeah. so many different smaller industries.
0: Can you do a format where like it's funny interviews, but you like bring a product that you bought from Amazon and like have the other person like describe it or review it? Is, that fu- is there a way to make that funny? Because then all of a sudden you say, okay, instead of this product, you can pay to be the product that we're reviewing, right? Like there's just, are there ways that you can build a format that actually is monetizable from the start? Because I think the the world of saying, just build an audience and figure it out is getting challenged significantly. Or just build an audience and then start a podcast. Yeah, like, that's, that's hard. That's not a that's direct link. Yeah, it's yeah because y- y- when you're doing short form content, you're betting on kind of reaching this broad mass audience. You're also your ask is very different. Jack Coin's ask to Ed Sheeran is very different than if we asked Ed Sheeran to do this show. Jacks, hey, can I have twenty five minutes of your time? Maybe twenty minutes. Maybe fifteen minutes
1: max. I mean, max, you can get that show done in ten minutes. Yeah,
0: can you pull up? Right here, or I'll come to you. You're walking out of the studio. We'll do it in ten minutes. It'll get a million plus views. It'll promote that like promote your new album. That is a high ROI as an artist collaborator. For us, who's like, hey Ed, can, can you come to our studio in Venice for three and a half hours? That's a that's an aggressive ask. It does make it you know significant when people choose to do that. You know, and that we can go in depth with them, and it's but that ask is really significant.
1: And as you said that, I'm just envisioning a comment on the YouTube upload from Ed. Top comment, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> sure, guys. Oh man, that'd be dope. I'll be right by. Yeah, three hours, no problem. I would love to do that. All um, right, everybody, go look at the comments and see if, <laughs> yeah, see see if, if Ed, the top comment or just tag Ed is yeah. Ed. <laughs>
0: Okay. There was a comment that I want to address. Uh, a lot of people were on your side last week when I said Wawa was a gas station. Dan Martin specifically said, Wawa is much more than a gas station. I'll die on this hill. <laughs> I, I will die on that hill with you. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Creator Support. We'll be back next week with an audio-only episode. So if you're listening to this on audio, nothing will change for you. If you're here on YouTube with us, check out our
1: audio feed. What if we got like East Coast sponsors and West Coast sponsors? That'd be cool. Like this side of the table was sponsored by Wawa. And, <laughs> and that side was like, was like sweet green. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. Sweet fine. green yeah, yeah. Air <laughs> <one>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week.